Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and we both have toddler age boys. And here we chat with you about all things real motherhood from A to Z and everything in between. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and that is what we dive into each and every episode. So thanks so much for joining us. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys so much for hanging out again with us today, tonight, in the morning, <laughs> whenever you whenever you listen to this podcast. So whenever you tune in, middle of the night for our our newborn mamas. <laughs> oh goodness! Ugh, Although I, I never actually listened to podcasts in the middle. I of the did. Night. Oh you yeah. Did. I actually. Oh yeah. I did also. Girl, you're so stuff. hardcore. I love it. I watched. I binge watched so much TV in the middle of the night. I'm like not the best sleeper on a good day, and so that's why I struggled so much with all the overnight. Is because it was like mm-hmm. once I was up, I was up like i don't know i could never get regulated so i binge listened to the mom hour actually that's when i discovered that podcast which if you haven't listened that's an awesome one for any moms there just the two co-hosts are wonderful and full of knowledge and gosh one has five kids one has three or four i can't remember so i feel like it's yeah. three i think it's I like i think it's three them. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's eight between them. But they're fantastic. So I listened to so many episodes of The Mom Hour at, you know, 2, 3, 4 a.m. So So yeah, I mean, people could be listening to us right now and it could be very, very early. So mamas, you're amazing. You're feeding your baby. You're swaddling your baby. You're snuggling your baby. And we hope you have a snack (laughs) because I always did. All the snacks. I had like a pile like right by my nursing chair. I just had Lara bars everywhere. I was just like too brain dead to think of anything new and interesting, especially once I had to cut out dairy when he was little because I did do some like yogurts and stuff. And then when I had to cut out dairy, I was like Lara bars are just everywhere. All the drawers. I did. They have them at Trader Joe's. They're like these like almost like circular disc things. And they're kind of like, imagine like a fruit leather, but it's like a little bit more shaped in a circle. And it's like maybe it's like two ingredients. So it would be like walnuts and dates. And then one was like fig and pecans or something. And... I don't know. Those were delicious. I ate those and I ate dried fruit mm. and nuts. So I guess it wasn't that thrilling, but I was like, boring. I'm just kidding. I mean, layer <laughs> bars are pretty much the same thing, just in a package with a wrapper, you know, in That's a package true. with a wrapper. That's like the same exact thing. <laughs> Anywho, guys, if you can't tell, it's, I started to say it's late. It's not even late. The sun is still up. It just feels late to me. We're I know, just having a day. The sun is still up. Yeah, we're both having a day. It's, it's, yeah. It's hard, man. I mean, like, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I I don't even really know what else to say. (laughs) Sometimes I just feel that way about it. And it's worse here now. Like, I felt like we were just cruising for a while. And it was like, well, we did that episode where we're like, you know, kind of getting back to the new normal. Yeah, that's what you get, Georgia, for opening before anybody else, you idiots. So everything's a hot mess. Yes, it's all the states, Texas, all the states that were like, we're going to go ahead and reopen. Well, I realized we were, we chatted on an episode about my sister's visit. And then I realized that when that episode was released, if, if people heard that release, the release was literally, I think it was our episode we released last week, right? So that would be about a week Mm -hmm. ago when Arizona kind of became a hotspot. So if anybody was listening and like didn't catch that I was mentioning my sister's visit had happened over Memorial Day, they were probably like, what the heck is she thinking? Like having her sister from Arizona fly out. And it's like, I did, guys, when there was like three cases in Arizona. Yep, (laughs) and it's all your fault. So you having her fly out, she probably brought coronavirus back to the entire state of Arizona. (laughs) Great job, Mackenzie. Great job. Oh, my gosh, yes. yes, Yeah, it's it's a hot mess. The world just feels like a hot mess. So that's what we were kind of just talking about before we hit the record button. It's just both kind of the state of blah. 
So it is. I think that just feels heavy. Like I feel, I feel like physically, like just kind of worn out, like the toddler chasing the warm weather, just the fact that there are kind of few outlets. And then I feel mentally just a lot of, I guess, just, yeah, weight, if you will, from, from the world, from everything that we're seeing on the news, everything that's going on. And then just kind of this like emotional, like the kind of like dragging my feet. Well, we had a sandstorm today because we have sand from the Sahara Desert that decided to blow our way, which never happens. It hasn't happened in like 60 years or something like that. But 2020 said, sure, why not? Let's do it. Let's bring everything. So anyway, not that that was a big deal. It was just kind of gross and dusty and kind of random a little too. little congested yeah it was like well i got up and i looked outside and it looked just cloudy and then it was like warning sandstorm i'm sorry what yeah let me check my phone again yeah i'm sorry where am i living again so it sounds like arizona they get like haboobs and a haboob is like a desert storm <laughs> i'm sorry a haboob no, no no that's really the name for it. you can google it mm. h-a-b i do think i've heard it and i'm pretty sure i laughed at the name before so okay i'll keep being juvenile and laugh at things that sound like google this is worth yeah. google <laughs> if you're listening right now especially if you're in the middle of the night you need to google the word haboob phoenix and just enjoy because it's crazy you might use yeah. like the incognito mode when you Google that. God only knows what you might misspell and might appear in your browser. True, especially at 3 in the middle of the night, you just are going to yeah. Google boob or, or boob don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It might be an interesting uh, three a.m. You might get some might special stumble. excitement. <laughs> well, no, you could stumble across a lactation consultant, and then that could help you with your middle of the night. Oh, look at you! You just bring it all together, wrap it in a nice <laughs> nebo. Okay. Well, see, you know what's funny is I haven't even had wine tonight. I'm not even drinking wine, and I'm already a little crazy. Oh, so you know me. I'm having the tiniest glass ever. Does it even count? No, it doesn't. I'm just gonna <laughs> say no. So anything, anything else interesting? Life lately? Anything good going on? How about I'll ask that question? So I would say what's kind of on our horizon, and I just say horizon because it's not fully being realized quite yet. But thanks to you, Emma, actually, we bought the book, The Montessori Toddler, and my husband has just been devouring it, which has actually been really cool because he's super active as a dad and very present. And I would say all the like parenting conversations that I would say I generally initiate, but he's extremely present within them and has comments and feedback and his own opinions and experiences to share. But this is the first time that I've seen him really just kind of jump on the horse and go with it in terms of like, hey, like, let's let's really dive a little bit deeper into this, I guess, you know, educational method, which is um, the Montessori uh, method. And the Montessori Toddler is a book all about that. So basically, he's been reading it. It's really been excited about it. So we started looking into Montessori schools in the area. We found one that really appeals to us. It offers um, just a couple days a week. It seems like it'd be a good fit, good hours. So we are actually looking into that for Emerson, which is kind of exciting. And that would be uh, very exciting. That'd be fun for him. I think it'd be, gosh, a little fun for mama. I mean, I would have six free hours a week. What would I possibly do? Party time. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go party. Conveniently, Rhode Island needs to reopen. (laughs) reopen things no but yeah so that's kind of what's on i mean again we're not exactly sure timing and i'm gonna do a school visit i mean there's still a lot of stuff that has to go go into this um but yeah and and obviously being thoughtful of what this means with COVID 19 and all that but uh, it does seem like it is the direction we're heading in so anyways that's that's new for us that's a positive awesome Nice. And I know you guys are, have your eyes on school for the fall as well. Yeah, we were signed up 
we've signed I'm going to be honest, we've signed up a billion times and uh, kind of ties into that anxiety topic that we talked about a few mm. episodes ago of I, I might have signed him up for this little daycare like five times and every time bailed out for whatever reason I found. Granted, coronavirus, I feel like is a little bit more legit of a reason. No, that's, that's but a good reason. yeah, he was supposed to start in summer. It was the same. It was two days a week, four hours. These were four hour days. So it was eight, eight hours a day or a week total. And um, they postponed the June opening and then they were going to do July. But now actually, I don't even know if they're going to do July because things down here are getting pretty hairy and most places are closing back up. So anyway, needless to say, summer's not going to happen, but he's still supposed to start after Labor Day in September. So we shall see. But I'm excited about it, mainly because I think, I mean, yes, it would be nice for me to have those hours, but we were using a nanny before, so it's work time for me. But more importantly, I think the kids need that social interaction. I can see when we go to a park right now or are around other kids, Owen has so much more interest. And so, you know, Mm. I think he's a little bored with mom. So I think it'd be good for babe and uh, good for me to get back to some work. So that's awesome. I think that's that's great. It's going to be a fun transition for both of us. I think there'll be positives. I think there'll be aspects that are just a little strange and emotional since we've only ever just had extremely part-time caregivers, you know, in, in, yep. in their whole lives thus far, but it's positive. So I'm sure more to talk about on the podcast. So. Yeah, we're just bringing the topics in hot, hot, hot. <laughs> well, <laughs> since we're getting hot, 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 why don't we jump into our topic tonight? So we are going to be talking about um, something I think any mama can relate to no matter if this is something you've really struggled with or just going through the stages of pregnancy and postpartum but we're going to chit chat all things body image so for both of us after years of struggle we've arrived at a place where we can appreciate what our bodies are capable of on a day-to-day basis we both function in a state of body neutrality and that's actually something that emma introduced me to that concept of body neutrality neither needing to adore your body every day or despise it every day but rather finding that neutral ground where you just simply can exist in your body and allow negative or positive thoughts to just enter and exit your mind space and so this hasn't been simple for us and some days are certainly easier than others but overall we don't feel it were with our bodies. And we think that experiencing pregnancy and becoming mothers has had a tremendously positive impact on our relationship with our bodies. So in this episode, we're just going to explore a little bit more about what this process has looked like for us. And our hope is that you all will have an opportunity to apply at least some aspect of what we share to your own relationship with your body. So as Emma touched on, this might not be something that is disruptive to your life in any way other than just maybe an observation. Maybe you've observed the way your body is now different postpartum, for example, or if you're currently pregnant, you're observing those changes. Similarly, this could be something that you have struggled with extensively that could have played a very large role perhaps in your conception journey or in your pregnancy or now in the way that you're dealing with your changed body postpartum. So wherever you come from in the spectrum, we just hope that by sharing our experiences, and providing the insight that honestly we have come to a much healthier and more positive place now in changed bodies that that could be something that you could take away so we just wanted to jump in and and share that kind of on the front end so you knew I guess the direction that we were heading with this so 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for for getting us started in that. So we're going to just do like a little touch on kind of, I guess, our history with our body image, because we don't want to, it was something we discussed when putting together this episode, we don't really want to live in like the negative history of, you know, how everything went down and how we develop these feelings towards our body. But we do want to go through, you know, kind of where we used to be and just to let you see, I guess, what a, what a difference it's made. Um, going through some of these steps that we're going to discuss. So, um, I, you know, what has your body image journey looked like over the years? What's What's been kind of that history for you? So I would say that I started being very like body aware, like in late high school, you know, like very like aware of how I looked and how I felt. And that definitely can continued. I had, um, my first year of college, I felt kind of really consumed with, I just want to, you know, I lost a little weight. I was really concerned with that or whatever. And then throughout the rest of college, it honestly wasn't as much of an issue. I would say I started seeing a counselor that, that freshman year of college and then helped me to just kind of, I guess, regain a little bit of footing and like a healthy perspective and a healthier mindset towards fueling my body and et cetera. But I would say that in my mid to later twenties, when I started really developing honestly, much more of a passion for exercise. I found Pure Bar, I found hot yoga, found some things that I loved and my body responded in the sense of weight loss. And so I felt like I really did cling to that as a part of my identity. I felt like it was important to me to be fit and for people to see me as athletic and thin. Those things became really, really important to me and I felt grounded in that. And of course, throughout this journey, I was not having a period, but which we've discussed in an earlier episode when we talked about our journeys with hypothalamic amenorrhea. But I wasn't aware of that since I was taking, I would say, I always say taking birth control, but I was using the Nuva Ring, but it kind of weird, sounds weird to say on a podcast, inserting birth control. So <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to get that detailed. <laughs> but I, you know, anyways, I was on birth control of, uh, oh, I suppose I could have just said that I was on birth control. Okay, you live and learn. Oh, well. um, yep, moving on. But anyways, that was kind of... Um, uh, a wake up call for me than obviously being married and realizing, okay, I, I don't have my period and I would like to try to conceive. That was when I feel like I finally had to look my, I guess my body image struggle, like really in the eye, you know, and say, I have been very fixated on maintaining a certain body size. And I've done it through, uh, you know, walking pretty much a tightrope with my diet, being restrictive and being hyper aware of what I'm eating and, ex- you know, extremely f- focused on exercise. And so, yeah, that, that for me was arriving at that moment was, was that. So I would say that my body image has been, I would, I mean, difficult, right? Like pretty critical, yeah. pretty, yeah. pretty, I guess, concerned with how I was and, and thinness and trying to achieve um, a certain look that I felt like even when I did achieve, I, and I truly asked myself, I wasn't happy. So it wasn't like that was the missing piece of my puzzle. Yeah, so. totally. I can definitely relate, which it just makes me, makes me so sad to think of like, when I look back at like my 14 year old self that was already falling into this like comparison and hating my body and why doesn't it look like this girl or that girl. And that's just so sad to think about like how much energy I wasted at that age. I was an athlete. And I think as you said, like I kind of very much identified by that. And so by being the athlete, by being kind of lean and seen as that being a part of my identity, I definitely carried that along. So um, you know, when I got through high school and college and kind of lost that athlete, you know, mentality or lifestyle, then it changed into wanting to get into fitness and personal training. 
And as you said, basically throughout all of that, I, I, you know, there was some even level of probably body dysmorphia. Like when I Mm -hmm. look back at photos, the way I pictured myself was not the way I actually was. You know, I always was picking apart, you know, different aspects of my body. And even when I would hit like the goal weight, I was still never happy. And I think that's an interesting thing. We'll probably dive into it a little later is achieving that goal doesn't actually make you happy like the things you think it will make you happy of fitting into a pair of jeans you know or whatever it does not actually bring you joy and satisfaction in life so I you know I truthfully have just always struggled with it for whatever reason um and that definitely led up to trying to conceive uh you know that was when I got diagnosed was a a wake-up call and kind of a reality check of like not only was it like mentally consuming so much in my life, but I had actually physically, you know, done some damage to myself by being so consumed with, you know, my feelings towards my body. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I relate to every aspect of that. And, and just the, you know, the way that it does, it does consume you, you know, you're concerned about what you're eating, you're concerned about how much exercise you're getting. You know, I, I would, I would feel concerned. Like if I had, if I was going out for dinner, that evening, like, oh no, like there was no way that like I could also go out for lunch as well, right? I would need to control exactly what my breakfast was, what my lunch was, you know, dinner. If it was anything that I deemed slightly overindulgent the next day, I definitely, you know, made up for it, if you will. And, you know, just that mindset is just, it's just so unhealthy. And I think that when I first started dating my husband, I, I don't think it was as apparent to him. I mean, there were moments when I think it might have well, been. Well, I think a bit you more can like, hide it really well. I yeah, mean, I definitely eat, did with know? friends and like, yeah, with other people. I hit it really mm-hmm. well. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that makes it, yeah, that makes it kind of tough too because it almost kind of feels like something like a, uh, I mean, I guess kind of like a secret or just kind of like your thing, what you're doing, but yet you still really, I, you know, you, you find your identity and you find your focus in your, in your body. And that's just kind of a, it's a slippery slope. Like if you're, if you're finding what matters most to you in just your physical appearance, I mean, that's a very, very narrow path to walk. Well, and I think it goes back to so much, even the terminology around dating or dating, dieting and, you know, fitness and stuff is I was good or I was bad, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like I, I had achieved what I was supposed to or I failed. And I think some of that began to tie into my self-worth, you know, whether I passed or failed the diet or whether I did the extra workout or not was kind of like, was I, you know, being hardcore enough? Was I strong enough? Did I have, you know, enough self-control was something that like I wore as a a badge of honor when people would tell me, oh my God, you just have so much, so so much self-control when you go out to eat. You know, that was like motivation to me to, to kind of keep doing it because I was the girl with all the self-control and I was the girl that, you know, did all the extra workouts no matter what. So yeah, there was some pride tied into a lot of that. I remember you saying that to me when we first started getting to know each other at that, like that exact, um, that piece of information and resonated so much with me because I absolutely felt the same way, you know, like people would, would compliment that and you felt, yeah, you felt proud about that instead of taking a step back and realizing like there is nothing wrong with skipping a workout or having more dessert or not obsessing about an aspect of your body that isn't quote unquote perfect in your eyes, you know, but I think we were just, we were deep into it, which is challenging. And I think it's interesting to look back and ask ourselves, did we realize that this was not a healthy way to be? Or did we just simply deem ourselves attempting to live up to society's, you know, standards of this 
body image obsession. And, and unfortunately, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, for me, I think, you know, I'm very hands on in this because I train people one on one and do nutrition coaching. And I get, I mean, this is my clientele. These are the people that come to me. And literally, you know, I'll have a girl that's 100 pounds soaking wet, lift up her shirt and pinch her love handles and, you know, do all these things where she is just ripping apart her body. And I do think, unfortunately, it's still the societal norm. And I think there's progress being made in body positivity and body, you know, body neutrality and the health at every size movement and all these positive endeavors that are going on. But I still think, unfortunately, a lot of it is the societal norm for people just to have a disordered relationship with their body, their food, their fitness, and seeing it as this is just what women are supposed to do. This is a focus. This matters. You know, and I, yes, I, I completely agree. And I feel like it's almost a little bit like, so I'll, uh, this is, I'll give an example and I think it'll tie back in. So I remember when I was putting together my registry, all of a sudden I found myself noticing things I never noticed before. Like I would notice strollers. This is of course when I was pregnant, but I would notice strollers. I'd never thought of strollers before. I would see a mom or even a mom friend and I would be like, what kind of baby stroller is that? Or, oh, what's your diaper bag? Or, oh, I, I see that toy the baby's using. Again, things that I never tuned into before. But since I was in the maternity mindset, all of a sudden those things became of interest to me. And I feel like the same, at least this happened to me with the world of dieting or exercise or body image obsession. I didn't see the normal people, the people just exercising when they felt like it, enjoying food, being healthy and caring for their bodies, but also being relaxed and being moderate. I didn't see that. What I saw was, you know, the beautiful people on social media or the girls in Pure Bar, the select very limited number that were like extremely hardcore or very thin or, you know, I I would notice those kinds of things or an advertisement or whatnot. I felt like that was what, like, that's the energy I was putting out. So that's what I was attracting back. And now that I have a different mindset on it, I feel like I'm able to observe that with a little bit more, like you said, the word neutrality, and then see how there's a lot of other shapes and sizes and approaches that truly are a lot, I guess, healthier, right? Mentally healthier and physically healthier even. So absolutely. So for you personally, yeah, it did totally. I mean, and actually, I I totally did the same on the stroller. Me and Robert, my husband used to uh, go on walks and I was pregnant and we'd be like eyeing everybody else's stroller be like, oop, they have an up a baby or oop, they have a this. It was kind of ridiculous because those were things we'd never talked to. Exactly. Yeah, it's what you put out in the universe that shoots back at you. (laughs) Yep. I'm not even going to tie that back into body image. I'm just talking about strollers now. So. Okay. Uh, so, you know, where were you kind of in your body image journey, I guess, when you did get your HA diagnosis as you were, you know, deciding you were getting closer to wanting to conceive and did it make a, an impact on you? Did it make you reevaluate kind of, you know, is this relationship of my body normal? Yes, actually I had, so I was, you know, obviously we, we went into this in detail, but I had failed a few rounds of ovulation stimulation medication, both Clomid and Femera, also known as Letrozole. And I just wasn't responding to it because of the fact that I, my body wasn't being fueled enough and, and my hypothalamus wasn't communicating whatsoever. So that was when I got the diagnosis of hypothalamic amenorrhea. But the funny thing is, is that I had felt like there was this little pressing voice for honestly like six months after I failed the Clomid that summer and then I had the fall was just one failure after another on the Femera slash Letrozole, whatever name people know it as, I just felt this little nagging feeling like, 
I think this is something I need to do. I think this is something, but I push it away. Like, no, I'm healthy. I'm exercising. My doctor says I'm healthy. I feel healthy. Like, who, who am I kidding, you know? And so then when I got the diagnosis and then I discovered Nicola's, uh, I say Nicola, but obviously Dr. Rinaldi, um, Dr. Rinaldi's um, book, No Period, Now What? It was like, I just jumped into this world of realizing other people struggled with exactly what I had, et cetera. And then it was like a light went off. I was like, oh, so I have put my body image and my obsession with staying a size that quite frankly is not a healthy size for my body, for my reproductive system. And that was when I realized I did have to alter my relationship with my body image. So yes, it absolutely had a, a really big impact on me reevaluating that. And yeah. I did have to reevaluate it. So what about for you? Yeah, a very similar. Ex- I was definitely, I feel like when I finally got the diagnosis, I was kind of like, yeah, I know. And I think mm. I just kind of kept searching because I wanted it to be something else. Like mm-hmm. I genuinely wanted there to be a bigger medical reason that wasn't the way I saw it was my fault. Like I did this to myself, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I know it's not exactly like that, you know, and I do think, hey, there could be other variables involved, too. I haven't had a period since I was very young and I was put on birth control very young. And anyway, a lot of genetic history there, too. But, you know, ultimately, I think I just didn't want to face the fact that the quote unquote healthy things that I was doing and getting so much praise for weren't you know I kind of Mm -hmm. felt like a fraud I guess to an extent especially because you know this was also my job and I was not only doing this to myself but probably preaching that message to other people and Mm -hmm. yeah that made me feel pretty pretty terrible um so I think uh, when I first got the diagnosis we weren't really quite at the like okay I really want to conceive it was like okay we're kind of dabbling but Mm. I didn't have that like okay enough's enough I want to and I think when I finally got to that point I really had to look in the mirror and realize like this just isn't gonna work this isn't okay and I had to do really some deeper internal work to realize like why is this so important to me? And is this truly worth, you know, us never being able to have a kid because I want to fit into whatever size jeans and give people this impression of who I am, you know, that is false, to be honest. So yeah, it was it was a tough, tough moment or, you know, time period to have to, yeah, take a look in the mirror. Did you also feel a little bit of that feeling of like, you know, you perceived yourself to be so healthy because, you know, you're fit and you're active and you eat very well and you take care of yourself and you can do, you know, things that, sh- that, that, that show your strength, right? And you feel like I'm, I'm strong. You know, for me, it was really performing in a really high level with the pure bar classes are going on, you know, long runs. And I know for you, Emma, it's always been a lot of strength training and also running too for you. And, um, you know, like it was strange for me to think, I feel so quote unquote healthy, but yet like my reproductive system has shut down. (laughs) Like, yeah, it was kind of like a slap. Like I'm like, I deem this body to be healthy, this body that zips up into my, you know, my size, whatever genes that make me feel good because they're a smaller number than maybe they were in the past or whatnot. And yet this is this same body is a body that was not ovulating on its own. Like, I mean, I even look at my wedding pictures And the craziest thing about it too is it's not even like now when I look at my body and then that body, I mean, we're not talking a 50 pound difference. I mean, I'm talking 
somewhere probably in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 pounds difference, you know? And yet I, that 10 to pounds difference, 10 to 15 made the whole entire world of difference between an, a body that was suffering from secondary infertility and not able to conceive, being told I need IVF, and a body that conceived, had a child, and is now breastfeeding going on almost 17 months. And it's like, wow, you know? And so I feel like even looking at those pictures, and like you said, I'm like, I think back to that, and I look at those pictures, and I'm like, wow, it was so thin. And my husband doesn't hesitate to remind me, I think because he's trying to, I guess, encourage me to always be kind of critical of that voice that's so critical, because he says, you were unhappy with yourself even then. It's so funny. And I was literally like, just about wow. to say that is I was looking back at wedding photos just the other day. Somebody asked to post some anniversary pictures. So I did. And I was like, had this moment of like, oh, I was so thin. Like, oh, I looked like this and I looked like that. And I did have to stop and remind myself, I was not happy. Mm-hmm. I was so uptight. Even I remember for a rehearsal dinner, I was like, oh, I still need to eat clean because I have to fit in the dress tomorrow and I don't want to look bloated or I don't want to look this. And I mean, you know, like that was the, should have been like one of the happiest days ever. And I still had that nagging voice in my head of like, you know, no, you can't do this because X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad to think about how much mental space it took, mental Mm -hmm. and emotional space it took in my life. So yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that, you know, for both of us, you you realize that and you realize what's healthier. And then I would say that, you know, for our listeners right now who are nodding along, maybe they also have experienced or are experiencing hypothalamic amenorrhea like that. I really relate to that. But even for, for people who never have, maybe a period's never gone missing. Do you look back maybe at a thinner version of yourself or a version of yourself where you were more obsessed with diet and exercise? And do you think I was happier then? Or do you think I was just simply more obsessed then? And now I might not love every aspect of my body or think I looked as I looked then, but like, that's also okay. You know, so I'm, 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 I find myself more interested in that, in that relationship, like dichotomy now, you know, like it's okay to look back, but yeah, it is. But it's also good to look back with like clear eyes and look at how much you've gained now, not just like weight gain, but you know, how much more freedom and happiness and, you know, positive things you have now have versus what you had back then just because you were a few pounds less. So, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what were some of the top mental and I guess physical changes that you had to work through while trying to conceive, you know, during the pre and postpartum period to, to really start to accept the changes that you were having to go through physically? So for me, it was just um, the actual thing, like the actual actions were, you know, relaxing and exercise substantially, no more cardio, just a couple bar classes a week, and then upping my food intake and really just focusing on my stress levels. So this is for a different podcast, a career podcast, but I ended up ultimately giving up um, a spring semester of teaching at, um, at a university just so that I could focus more on on my overall health. And so yeah, th- those were the actual, I would say, changes that I made that were that were the most significant. And but then it was the mental piece was the most challenging because it's kind of one thing to say, all right, I'm going to chill out and eat a little bit more. But then your clothes start to feel tighter. Your body starts to feel softer. You know, you do a little bit of movement like a bar class or yoga and you don't feel that same like kind of running on the frayed ends, you know, energy, energy that you had before when you were exercising all the time. So those were challenging fear feelings. And I think that 
I just really had to sit in it a little bit, right? And I had to learn to be a bit more comfortable with that changing body. I guess one helpful thing was I had my eyes on the prize, right? I wanted to get my period back because I wanted to be able to conceive. So I feel like I've said this before, but it, it really merits saying it again, is when I feel like a woman who does not desire to conceive, or maybe she's already had children, or maybe she doesn't want to have children, and she's desiring to get her period back and has to do this same work with the only end of it simply being, I want to be have you know my body be healthier and have a period. I I feel like I just absolutely like admire that kind of inner fortitude because for me the dangling carrot was the possibility of becoming pregnant and being a mom and somebody that's able to do that just simply because they know it's healthier for their bodies like hats off so i just want to throw that out there absolutely yeah but uh but yeah i would say for me keeping the goal in mind um because the goal was pregnancy and a healthy baby and then just really starting to try to relax and and make little changes. I mean, it was little things like my husband brought home cheesecake and um, enjoying that. And then the next morning reminding myself like, we are having a normal breakfast. <laughs> We're not having a smaller breakfast, you know, like those kinds of things. Or waking up and being like, wow, I had a big dinner last night and I'm still hungry this morning. In the past, I would have judged that and been like, I ate a big dinner. Why am I so hungry? Learning how to just simply be like, oh, wow, it's a new day. I'm hungry and just move on. So I think some of that was just kind of going through those motions and seeing the feelings as they came up, but then not acting on them in like a restrictive or obsessive way. So yeah, I think that that definitely leads into just, I think having to sit in discomfort. I think that was like a big part of the process is, you know, it's easy sometimes when you get used to doing these behaviors that actually just feel safe. Like it feels safer to, you know, for me, I was big into counting calories and tracking and weighing and measuring and like all the things. And that felt safe to me. It felt secure. And so it was really uncomfortable to stop doing some of that. I mean, I don't know how many times I had to delete my fitness pal off my phone and download it again and delete it. And so that was just like this back and forth thing. And so eventually I just had to really, you know, keep, as you said, the big big prize in mind that I really want to get pregnant and that focus on that and, you know, be in the discomfort of stopping some of these behaviors. And, you know, I had to talk to my husband about it and be like, look, you know, you see me do these, like he knew they weren't great. And he had to call me out on them sometimes, you know, of like, okay, you know, why? Yeah. Why are you having a smaller breakfast? Or, you know, why don't you have a snack? Uh, you know, I'd have some excuse or, you know, okay, eat a little bit more. And he would call me out on some of these behaviors. And that was really helpful. And, you know, it was always in a supportive way, you know, because he knew the why behind it. So that was helpful to me doing little things like ditching the scale. Uh, we literally threw it out of the house. It was gone. It has been gone. <laughs> that is no longer in existence. And that was helpful because it wasn't useful to me to jump on the scale and see a number change and get emotionally tied up in what that meant. So that wasn't wasn't helpful. Um, also, a few other things like buying clothes that fit. You know, I think as my body changed even before pregnancy of, you know, putting on some weight um, while trying to conceive and trying to regain my cycle yeah, it was hard. It was hard to see clothes that no longer fit. And mm -hmm. so letting go of that, because what I would do is I'd hang on to them and throw them in the closet and be like, well, maybe at some point. And, you know, I just finally had to get rid of them and just say, no, that's just not me anymore. Like, it's okay to wear clothes that are comfortable, no matter what the size is that make me feel good. So yeah, just some like little tangible things like that were really helpful for me. 
Absolutely. And, and buying things, you know, like you said, that, that, that were new and that, and that fit. I remember I went to a wedding at, uh, in the spring of, of that year when I was, I had gotten my period back and it was, you know, the heaviest weight that I had been in, in a while. And, uh, because of, you know, having to get my period and then my weight still increased a little bit because I was continuing on that, you know, that pathway of just like eating what I wanted and keeping the exercise more minimal. And I remember, uh, going and I think I went to TJ Maxx or something because I, I, I think they have really great dresses there. So just, uh, yeah, throwing that I'm out there. Fan. If no one's, if no one's yeah. ever been to TJ Maxx. I buy workout clothes there. Um, good, good yeah, they have awesome yeah. stuff. So I found mm-hmm. this, uh, just this dress that, really, truly did fit me well. I still have it. I actually really love it. It's coral colored. And it was just, I mean, it was a dress that I put it on and I was like, wow, like embracing my new curves, quite frankly. And I felt really confident in it, even though I was sitting at a weight that was, you know, definitely higher than, you know, my friends had seen me at in, in, in my wedding several months prior, you know, and it was just that feeling of being like, wow, this is, this is going to be okay. You know, I have a new dress. It's okay. Like, I think that that was really helpful for me too. And like you said, not trying to squeeze into something that's just really not the best size for you. So for you, how did pregnancy and postpartum body changes, you know, give you the opportunity, I guess, to challenge your perception of of your body? Because I know, you know, you're kind of forced to, especially once you get pregnant and your body changes, whether you like it or not. So... Yeah, I would say that it was really helpful, again, as we talked about focusing on the greater goal. So for me, I was just very determined to give my body exactly what it needed so it would therefore give the growing baby exactly what he needed. And so I just really focused on eating intuitively. And that was something that I had been first exposed to when I mentioned when I went to a counselor my freshman year of college. So I was aware of the intuitive eating. And so I just really tried to focus on that. So I ate what I craved and whatever I wanted, but then I just stopped when I was full or when the food no longer interested me. So pregnancy was unique because that first trimester, I was super, super, super nauseous. I craved in absolutely nothing really at all. I just was hungry, but I everything made me feel sick. So it was a lot of carbs. It was a lot of just kind of random stuff that I definitely, I did not want salad. I did not want greens. Even very few fruits interested me, which is the exact opposite of, of how I'd always been. So it really gave me an opportunity to say, but hey, I've just got to listen to myself because otherwise, I'm, I mean, I've, I've got to eat what I can eat. And then during the pregnancy, really just queuing in, I found that I was very, especially second and third trimester, I was just hungry. I mean, I wanted like full meat. Meals. I like my meals to be like uh, warm, like hotter food, you know, like not spicy, but just like I liked like a hot plate, like pasta or meat or etc. And so that gave me the opportunity really to just dive in. I also chose to do blind weigh-ins my whole pregnancy, so I never I did knew. Too. Such a good yeah, thing. Just I think so you know, so, ladies, yeah. that is an option. It really is. You just, but you have to tell every nurse because not every nurse will know, yep. and you have to stand on this to go backwards. Um, but yeah, I just did that and and that was really helpful. And I mean, seeing my body change was difficult. I would say especially the first 20 weeks when you just feel like you've eaten nothing but pizza, even if you've eaten other things, which I ate a little pizza, but not even that much pizza. Pizza is just the example to say. You feel like you're like, you know, I don't know, at a college frat house and really what's just happening is your body's preparing for pregnancy. So, or preparing, I should say, for for the biggest growth of pregnancy, which is when that belly really pops. So, I would say that that was a challenging time, but it was also an opportunity for me to say, but I'm creating a life like, you know what, this is going to be okay. A book I read was tremendously helpful called, Does This Pregnancy Make Me Look Fat? I've read and it. So good. Yeah, really good. That was really helpful. Just gave me a really good dose of perspective on the process. And then postpartum, I think it was 
about learning to be okay with the fact that I didn't love my body and that was okay. Like I, it was like learning how to say, I don't love my body and I'm still okay. I don't love my body and I appreciate the fact that it allowed me to grow a human. Like it was for me just learning to say those things and then focus on what I could control. So what I could control is, you know, I feel good with like a little bit of movement or I, you know, if we have takeout, let's say two or three nights in a row, eh, I feel better when I cook. So let's break it up, take out one night, then cook for a couple nights. Like trying to be more aware of those sensations. And you've actually helped me a lot with that, Emma, just by reminding me like that, it doesn't like it doesn't need to be like an all or nothing. You know, you can have. Well, these, I always like I to know, say awesome. we're not going to be the same amount of hungry every day, and mm-hmm. so it's also a matter of like honoring your hunger, hunger, and also honoring your fullness. So as you just said, you know, there are some days where I'm just like starving, and there's some days I'm also not you know and it's okay if I want a lighter meal and then maybe I'm hungry two hours later you know and I think just letting go of some of those like food rules and expectations and judgment over you know when our body's telling us we're hungry and when it's not and you know and I think once we accept that we don't have to control our bodies it it can get us a long way yeah I would agree I think it's I think it's totally true and important to to remember that Yep. Yeah. And I think for me, a big thing that really helped postpartum was quite frankly, I had other things to focus on. You know, it was like when it was just me and my body and only affected me, then I I felt like I could be a little bit, I guess, more self selfish and self focused. But yeah, I don't know when I had Owen, it was just like, I also wanted to be a better example for him. I guess that was definitely a big motivator and also yeah I was just busier like you know trying to keep alive a tiny human and I didn't want to spend the same amount of mental energy you know at six weeks trying to get my postpartum body back as I did just wanting to live my life I guess and so I think again it's to me in my personal journey it was at least allowing myself to let go of the need to control my body and just let it be and as we've talked about being okay with not loving it all the time and that's just okay like that's just a thing I don't have judgment over the fact that oh I'm failing it not loving my body that's okay too it's you know it's just one tiny aspect of who I am as a person and there are so many other parts of who I am that matter most and need to be focused on and so yeah yeah, body kind of is what it is. I want to take care of it enough to, you know, help me do all the things I want to do in my life and and obviously nourish it. And yeah, I love working out and that kind of stuff, but it doesn't have to be so time consuming. Yeah. And just realizing that whether even if a person comes into a pregnancy without a single body image, you know, quote unquote issue, like maybe they've just had a pretty neutral or positive relationship with their body image forever, then they get pregnant, then they go through a pregnancy and then they go through the postpartum period. I mean, every single woman has to go through that and experience those changes. And so I would say even a woman who hasn't had any, like uh, like any, I guess, negative thoughts or whatever towards her body previously might not, I mean, necessarily have a negative thought, but be, but might still be a little bit dumbfounded about, wow, I mean, now that I've had the baby, like the baby weight isn't coming off or, or it really did, but my body's different in certain areas or my stomach looks like this now, or my hips look like this, or my breasts look like this. And I think that when you add into it somebody who's also then had struggles with body image, it can just feel like an even greater opportunity to 
you know, to really ruminate in that and, and to be fixated on that. And so I think for both of us, we tried to like spin that around and say, well, you know, that we are perfect candidates for being even more obsessed with quote unquote, getting our bodies back or more obsessed with trying to achieve this perfection again, because we want to be those fit moms, if you will. But I, I feel like that was neither of us and that's not been part of the journey. And instead the focus has been on taking care of the boys, eating healthy, trying to just focus on what makes us feel good with movement. And so I think that that has been tremendously helpful, has been what do I actually enjoy doing? Like, am I having fun when I'm exercising or is this something I'm liking? Am I I enjoying what I'm eating? Am I enjoying what I'm not eating, right? Like, am I glad that I'm not eating that or do I miss that or whatnot? So I think that taking the opportunity to actually press into it a little bit deeper was, was beneficial for both of us. Absolutely, for sure. So I think that kind of brings us up to like, where are we now? You know, we definitely have our history of a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of our life being a really negative body image and struggles in that department, then we kind of had to go through the motions and the active, you know, changes mental and physical of getting pregnant and changing some of our negative practices that we had developed over the years. And, you know, here we are 16. Now I'm 17 months postpartum. So yeah, I know 17 month old. Oh, um, but yeah, you know, so so where are we now? Do, do you struggle still at all? I would, I would be lying if I said I didn't. Um, but I think the difference now is that my struggling or maybe a day when I'm definitely not in the neutral zone if I'm more in the negative zone. The big difference for me now is that I do not act on it in any way. So it's not that I feel negative about my body and so I ride the exercise bike for an excessive amount of time or I feel negative about my body so I skip dinner, I skip a meal or whatever. No, I I just simply might feel like, gosh, today I just don't feel great in my skin, but I'm still like moving right along and my day just continues. It's almost like my emotional bandwidth is not able to also contain so much like dislike for my for my physical appearance and my body image because there are other things on my plate now. And so I think that that is something that has been helpful for me to just be aware of the feelings and share them. I definitely share them. I mean, goodness, I mean, you hear them sometimes. I'll tell you, yeah, I don't know why, girl. I just don't feel, just don't feel great today or you know, I just don't feel the best of my skin today, or I feel like I've been really enjoying the workouts I've been doing lately, but yet I just feel like kind of squishy or something like that. And I express that and I share it. And, you know, or I'll say to my husband, like, gosh, I, I just, you know, I love, you know, Emerson so much. I've loved, you know, the fact that I've been able to breastfeed him, but gosh, like my breasts really don't look the same and there's stretch marks and there's some sagginess and it's just different. And, you know, I feel like voicing that and putting like words behind it and, and and allowing the emotions to be real has been helpful because I'm not necessarily looking for him to say, your boobs are hot. I'm looking for him just to simply say, that's okay to feel that way. Like that is, you know, that's difficult. Obviously you're breastfeeding a child. Like that's not something that I can relate to. However, I can just remind you that that's the greater purpose here. And that's the greater, you know, work that you're doing is by offering that to him. It's, it's not really a matter of like, do your breasts look like, you know, I don't know, Victoria's Secret model or something. So yeah, I actually think that's really helpful. I mean, obviously, me and you communicating with each other has been really helpful. I think we both especially had a few months here and there that was like, a little bit more of a struggle, maybe, Um, you know, we had kind of gotten past the initial, I just had a baby, like, I felt like, okay, I can't, 
keep saying this forever. Um, you know, yeah. and so then we kind of got back to exercise, but then it was like, oh, okay, but we're still in these bodies and they're different than the before bodies. Exactly. And so I think we both yes. had to like sit with that a little bit and be like, huh, well, that's a thing. But yeah. neither of us were in the place anymore that it was worth doing the restrictive things that we had done in the past to, to change it. And I think that was the big difference is that it was like, oh, well, this is a thing, but we're still the same people and it doesn't have value the way it used to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was like, it's, you know, also something to, to observe, like it's definitely something to observe, like, you know, here we are exercising and, you know, uh, the, the absolute starving days of the beginning nursing have kind of just given way to just kind of pretty normalish appetites. I still feel like I eat a lot, but not as much as before. I would say at the height of the first, you know, few months of newborn nursing and just kind of realizing that, you know, yeah, look like I, my body pretty much has now felt the same for, for multiple months. And like, it's not like, you know, the weight's just dropping off or whatnot. And, but that's okay. Like that's absolutely okay. And what can I do to feel, to feel good in this body? And one thing that I I feel like we've both really enjoyed, it seems like, for example, over the last few months has been doing just a little bit more yoga. So feeling Mm -hmm. like, you know, trying new, new poses and you're always encouraging me to do more of the funky hard ones. And, you know, learning like, wow, I can, I can feel fit and I can feel strong in this way, or I can feel limber, flexible. I can feel more at peace. Like, well, I even like sometimes feeling, feelings. I do a lot of strength training. And so for me, the yoga, it's like, I feel feminine. I don't feel like I have to be so like, mm-hmm. you know, I guess over, over the top powerful or whatever, you know, I can actually soften a little bit in my fitness. And that's actually probably been the best, best thing for me in doing a little bit more yoga is finding that balance. That's awesome to hear that. Yeah, that's that's true. Finding an exercise there or maybe a secondary exercise. I think for both of us, walking's been been really great getting out and, and being able to take the boys out in a stroller ride and now that involves the park too. And and I would say too though, not being afraid to check ourselves, you know, when think when the weather was nicer and for both of us, I remember you and I would be like, oh, we're going to go on a couple walks a day. But then kind of realizing all of a sudden that that, that can quickly become a habit. Then you need two walks a day, you know? Today was a perfect example of, so we went on, I worked out this morning and then we went on a little morning walk and I had every intention of going on an afternoon walk. But my husband came home early and we needed to spend some time together. And so the old me would have been like, I still have to go on a walk. Like that was the plan. And I was so rigid in that. And today was like, okay, whatever. You know, like it, it, it's not a thing. And that took a lot of work. I just say that because it took a lot of work to get to that place where I could truly just be like, it's no big deal that I didn't take another, you know, 45 minute walk and I'm still going to eat the same meals. And I'm still after this recording going to go downstairs and have some peanut butter cups. And that's okay. You know, there's no mm-hmm. judgment on that. So and I think that and the other thing I will throw out there just for as a helpful tip is I think the comparison trap is really, really mm-hmm. hard not to fall into. And this is whether you've had a baby, whether you've not, you know, I think postpartum, gosh, you see the celebrities pop out three weeks after having a baby looking like, you know, they just walked off the runway and it is hard not to fall into that and one of my biggest personal struggles is as a trainer I compare myself you know I compare myself to coworkers. I compare myself to clients because I work in a space where we constantly are praising smaller bodies mm-hmm. and it I, I think it's you have to get really firm in your values of 
not seeing that in the same light as, you know, as I previously did to avoid that comparison trap and and letting it lead me down a a negative road. So I think surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up, you know, whether it's your social media that you choose to follow, that is a choice, follow people that make you feel good about yourself, as we've kind of talked about in previous episodes. And yeah, just realize like everybody, you don't really know what's going on in people's lives. Because, you know, just look at us for an example of back when we were, yes, technically thinner and all those things people would have looked at us and thought we were the ideal of health and we were not. So you just don't know. Yep. And keeping keeping in perspective that when you get to a healthier place, which I would argue we certainly both are in now, you know, that the work isn't done. I mean, we both are still breastfeeding, but we, we have our eyes on the prize. We definitely want to get our periods back, you know, like not sure what's in store specifically personally for me in terms of like wanting a second kid, third kid, that's kind of still, you know, like that's a, that's a, that's a personal like marriage and, 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 and mental kind of conversation for us. But I know for you, Emma, like that's for sure for, for you, like you guys want Mm -hmm. a second kiddo. And I know that both of us really want our periods, right? We want bone health to be there. We want to continue to have this lifestyle that's just a little bit more free, you know, having dessert, having takeout, not being so concerned about those kinds of things. And I think it's really important to keep keep that perspective as well. Like this is about your your overall health and your mental you know, health, your physical yeah. health, your happiness. Like it's a lot more than just, you know, your diet and exercise. So I always tell my clients, I joke with them that I would rather have wine on the weekends and dessert than I would have abs. And I 100% stand by that. You know what? That's that's absolutely the way I feel is I would rather have that extra five or 10 pounds on my body and be happy and relaxed and go have romantic dinners with my husband and go socialize with friends without freaking out over, do I need to check the menu first or where are we going to go or any of those kind of behaviors that I definitely did in the past. So it's just to say that it's it's a journey through body image and there is no there. There is no like, oh, we're cured from negative body image it's it's just kind of an ongoing battle but um getting strong in your why and realizing all the benefits you can get from relaxing a little bit about you know what you are supposed to look like or what we are all supposed to look like um yeah it's worth it and just remembering that life doesn't begin five pounds less from than now or 10 pounds less than now or 20 pounds less than now or whatever like life is happening right now and it's such a shame to pour all of that energy and effort into something like that when instead, you know, reframed appropriately, the energy and effort can be framed into what kind of like movement makes me feel good? You know, what's a new recipe I can try? What's like something I can do with a friend that I wouldn't do if I had a restrictive mindset, right? Like, oh, let's go to a wine tasting or let's, you know, go somewhere and grab dessert. Like those kinds of things have so much more weight and meaning. And then, you know, if, if, if your chances are you're listening to this because you either have kiddos or you're thinking about having them and it's important to bear that in mind too. I mean, not only just conceiving and going through pregnancy, but having the energy to keep up with a toddler and being able to focus on all the things that motherhood demands, there is very little space to also be counting calories and obsessing over what you're eating because you just want to be pouring much more of that into literally just staying afloat in motherhood because that is already not an easy task. Yep. 100% couldn't have said it better. So anything else? Any other final thoughts? Final thoughts. I would just say appreciating our bodies, having gratitude for for what they've done, having gratitude that they 
stuck around through us being not always so kind to them. And I feel like that's something that most women can relate to because even if you haven't done, you know, crazy crash diets or really suffered from extreme disordered eating or whatnot, you could probably relate to, you know, I probably did this, it wasn't so kind to my body or this or, you know, and it's like, you know, your body's still here, your heart's still pumping for you, you know, give it, give it, give it a little bit of love back. Yep. I'd say my final last tip is women be nice to each other. We are actually, I think the ones that reiterate a lot of this poor behavior. I actually, my husband does not notice if I'm five or 15 pounds different, nor does he care. Um, I think we can be the ones that, you know, go out to lunch and make comments about our own bodies, our comments about what we're eating, or, oh, I really shouldn't do this, or, oh, I shouldn't have had that extra, whatever. You know, if you are with people you love, also gently call them out. Like, or if you're not living that lifestyle anymore and you're working hard to get out of it, you know, say something because we just all fall into those repetitive ha- patterns. And yeah, it's not okay. It's something that I think needs to change in our society. And that starts with each of us kind of feeling feeling strong and firm in our, our values around it and, and supporting other women and, you know, helping them get through it as well if they're not quite there yet. So exactly. Invite your friends to pizza night and mean it. Heck yeah. Eat all the pizza. <laughs> Yum. Hey, girl, that's in store for you because uh, dairy no. is coming back in. I, I see know. you, dairy. I know. I well, it was you. supposed to be tomorrow's dinner, and I was so excited, and, oh, and everything is closing. <gasps> yeah. I mean, there's, like, nowhere but, like, a Papa John's, and I'm not I'm not doing that. But, girl, you that should do, do it you for should me. Do, I know. Oh, yeah. Papa John's doesn't do it for me either. But yeah. you know what? We made – I made us homemade uh, That's homemade what I was thinking about doing night, on girl, Sunday. We're bomb. Yeah, I was thinking about grabbing some pizza dough from Whole Foods yep. and doing some. Yep. We, yeah. I got the whole wheat one. Yep. yep. With their pizza so, sauce. Yep. Cheese. I think that may be what happens Pepper. over the weekend. So, yep. woohoo. Can't wait. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much, as always, for listening. Stay tuned. We do have some really fun upcoming interviews we're actually really jazzed about. We've just been, you know, growing our network and getting in touch with other cool moms and their stories. So, we're excited to bring you some of that. And as always, if you are on your little phone right now slide down and give us a rating and review we really appreciate that it helps grow our community so thanks again and we look forward to uh, chatting with y'all soon thanks everybody chat soon